ain't no elevator to the top. You got to take the stairs. The elevator don't go to the top, man. Not in the world of success. You have control of this. This belongs to you. This is yours. You're the captain. You're the master. You're the foreman. You're the general. You're the head. Don't give control of this to nobody. Get off of Instagram and snap. And get off all these blogs and get into something that can really, really move your life forward. Listen, getting successful, it's not a magic trick. You can decide to be rich. It's highly doable. But you first have to think it. The difference between successful people and non-successful people is here. I'm no better than none of y'all. If you want to be successful, you have to change this. This has to change. Listen to me. It's not what makes it hard is your lack of belief that it can happen for you. The fact of it is, though, it's very doable. See, if but you got to change, though. If you keep doing what you've been doing, you're going to keep getting what you've been getting. So if you're at a place in your life and you ain't happy with it, you have to change some things. But you have to make a conscientious decision that you're going to change. And it's not dependent on anybody else. It don't matter what your mama think. It don't matter what your co-workers think. It don't matter what your siblings think. It don't matter what your children think. It don't matter. They have nothing to do with it. This decision is yours and yours alone. Let me tell you something. You get to decide if I'm going to be rich, poor, mediocre, plentiful, happy, sad. You, you have a decision to make. It's really not important what the majority of people that are blogging are saying. As a matter of fact, bloggers are not relevant people, they're not shakers and movers, and they're not decision makers, and they're not power brokers. So when you spend so much time in the blog world, the Instagram world, the chat world, all of this, you're wasting valuable time. If I was young and I had what you have and you're the brightest group of young people that have come along in a long time, man. millennials are absolutely brilliant because you all have technology. I had no technology growing up, nothing. You, you couldn't download a book. You had to go to the library, go to the card catalog, pull it open, find the book, find the number, go get on the elevator, go to the row, find the number book, get the book, and hope somebody ain't told a page out that you want to read. That's what it used to be. When my mom and them finally got the money together to help us educate ourselves, they bought an encyclopedia set, Britannica, Funk and Wagner, and everything you wanted to know was in that encyclopedia, and that's all you can know. If you want to look up something about elephant, and they had two pages on elephants, that was what y'all knew about an elephant. Y'all got Google. You can Google anything. You all have stuff at your 
fingertips that can make you great. But if you can combine your technology with your parents and your grandparents' work ethic, your could be rich. You could be rich, man. But you cannot erase the work ethic part. There is no getting around. Ain't no elevator to the top. You got to take the stands. The elevator don't go to the top, man. Not in the world of success. You got to take the stands. Y'all got to start getting gritty, man. I hate it when I see young people wasting their time, wasting all this technology got. Just bull Just sitting around in this world that's been created for you that everything is instant. I was arguing with my son the other day. We're having a debate. I thought, man, I'm finally sitting with one of my sons having a healthy debate. I told him that from Cleveland to Nashville was about 540 miles, something like that. He Googles it while we're talking. He said, no, Dad, you're wrong. It's 526 miles. I said 540. It's amazing, man, how you rely on technology and it's a help to you. But young people, you got to get gritty, man. You got to develop some dog in you. You got to understand that success, you can't Google success. Go Google it. You can't Google it, man. I got something else for you because I've lived so long and I've been exposed to so many things. I've seen stuff hopefully you'll never see, and I've seen some things I hope one day you do see. But go Google exposure. It ain't gonna take you nowhere. I've been around the world, man, because I've traveled it. But I traveled it because I've made myself uncomfortable. I have a life of convenience now. But in order to get the life of convenience, you gotta have a very uncomfortable life. You got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Stop trying to do everything the short way. Stop trying to figure out the easy way because the ain't gonna happen. I got news for you, man. It's not happening, young people. You got to get, you got to get messed up sometimes. You gotta get dirty, you gotta get your feelings hurt, you gotta get disappointed, you gotta get told no, you gonna ask somebody for some money, he gonna tell you no, but at least then, when I see somebody trying, and I tell them no, I try to at least give them something else. See, I'm not gonna hand you a fish sandwich, I'll teach you how to fish, but I'm not giving you a fish sandwich. You can forget that. Once you get this, y'all, you can change everything. Do you understand? Negativity, you can protect yourself from negativity. And that's what stops most people, negative thoughts. You can coat your mind from negativity. It's a real simple exercise to do. I do it every morning before I walk out the door. So I walk out as a positive person. You know, I get tired sometimes. That's different from being negative because I get mentally drained from my job at times. But to coat your mind from negativity, the way you can put a coating around your mind is with one simple thing, gratitude. Gratitude erases negativity. I'm gonna show you how this works. If you wake up in the morning, you start having negative thoughts. Man, this ain't my day. I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I'm tripping, I just don't feel myself. Every time you feel, in the middle of the day, if you feel yourself doing that, stop, just stop for a second. 
and start going over in your mind everything you have to be grateful for. Not everything you want, everything you already have, because what you have is substantial. You just haven't gone over the list and taken inventory in a long time. But the fact that you can walk, that's a blessing. The fact that you woke up, that's another blessing. The fact that you can see, think, reason, that's another blessing. The fact that you can go somewhere and get yourself something to eat, that's another blessing. The fact that you can go and turn the key and call someplace home, that's another blessing. The ability to dream is a blessing. The, the, the fact that you have an opportunity to get it right is another blessing. And I'm just talking to you, I don't even know you. I could give you 50 things you ought to be grateful for right now. I don't even know you. Start coating your mind with gratitude. It'll change everything for you. Hey, hey, welcome back to the 40 Pep Podcast, where we bring leadership experience straight to your ears. I'm your host, Nolan Beck. And this week, we have special guest Corey McKenna interviewing with us. And we talk about uh, his franchise and where he started from and how he moved up, how he earned GM of the year, and how one of his GMs now working for his franchise uh, one GM of the year at this past rally. Um, we also go into detail on the importance of, guess what, leadership. And, you know, kind of how he uses that to build the culture in his stores and his franchise. So we got a pretty awesome interview today. We also got a pretty cool guest uh, on our commercial this week. We've got Arnold. Yes, the Arnold Schwarzenegger did a commercial for us. So I hope you guys enjoy that. Um, and this is going to be a two-part episode. So please, uh, if you enjoy this episode, uh, check in next week. We'll have the second part. And if you haven't yet, please uh, go check out Drew and Sam Talk Training and their podcast. Uh, that's more content for you guys uh, that talks about leadership and how to attack some of your goals. So go check them out. Uh, please send us feedback on what you think of our podcast, what you'd like to hear, who you'd like to have on it. And you can send your emails to 40peppodcast at dpzwest.com. That's the number 40peppodcast at dpzwest.com. So without further ado, the interview with Corey McKenna. But first, oh yeah, commercials. Hi, my name is Arnold Schwarzenegger and I need a job. I am no longer governor of California and I can no longer go back to the chopper. My daddy used to be a delivery pizza driver, so I figured I'd try it out. So who is your daddy and what does he do? Well, that's neither here nor there, so let's not talk about our fathers and let's get started with your paperwork. Order up, Arnold. This is yours. Don't forget your extras. Okay, drive out. Hi, I am Arnold, your Domino's delivery driver. I have your order. Yo, thanks for being so fast. No problemo. Your total is $17.50. Oh, thanks, man. Here's a 20. Keep the change. Oh, wait, did you bring the two liter? Oh, I'm such an idiot. I'm sorry, I forgot. I'll be back.
Josh, Josh, I forgot their soda. I need to go back out. That's fine. And when you get back, it'll be time to go. Next time, if there's a gas station near the house, just go by and grab a two liter. It'll be quicker for the customer. And I'll reimburse you next time. All right. So after this, I'm out. Hasta la vista, baby. All right, guys, welcome back. This is Nolan Beck with the 40 Pep Podcast. And today I have a special guest. His name is Corey McKenna, and he's a franchisee owner with a few accommodations under his belt. Welcome, Corey. Thank you for uh, coming on the podcast and talking with me today. How are you doing today? I'm good and excited to be here. Fantastic. So so you have kind of a, a nice repertoire with uh, Domino's. Can you kind of tell a little bit about your your backstory and some of the accommodations you've received? Yeah. Um, so I started with Domino's in 2005 as a CSR. Um, I quit my previous job on a whim uh, per per 16-year-old standard fashion. I was like, ah, let's, let's be crazy and just quit my job. And I had a girlfriend at the time, and uh, I thought I was rich because I had 800 bucks in my account. And <laughs> um, when you have no job and unlimited free time and a girlfriend, 800 bucks spends in like two weeks. So two weeks later, <laughs> I was I was out looking for a job, and I probably applied at like God, 30 plus places. And uh, this this was before background checks, so it, like literally. You show up, they're like, can you come back in khaki shorts tonight? I said, yeah, you're hired. And uh, I worked at Domino's through high school, um, stuck with it and became a shift runner in between high school and college. Uh, I went to the University of North Texas and um, three years into that, I had a professor that uh, I had a disagreement with and uh, to to stick it to him, I decided to, to drop out and um, to Domino's full time. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, wow. That's that's one of those like I'm gonna put it all out on the line moves right there. <laughs> yeah, my my parents weren't happy, but that's um, that's pretty standard. It, it's just an industry that food industry, not specific to Domino's, but the food industry just has a stigma to it that parents think that it's a a lifetime of working behind a grill flipping burgers and um, that was definitely a tough conversation, and I went on to become a GM in 2011, and I was promoted to our the busiest, or sorry, the slowest store in our company, and ran that uh, for nine months, and then sat down with uh, the franchisee and supervisor at the time and said, "Hey, look, you guys are you see what I'm doing in our slowest store? Like, let's let's try this in the busiest store and see what happens." And I was transferred um, August of that year to the busiest store in our franchise. At the time, it was doing about 26 a week, which these days that's nothing. I mean, that's the national average just about. Um, and ran that for three years. Uh, after that, I was promoted to supervisor and went on to become the director of operations for Robert Gabbett. I was with him the entire time before our franchise. And in 2019, he decided to retire and um, I just bought his stores from him. It was the same stores that I operated as a supervisor and DO. And since then, um, I've built three stores with a, a fourth any day now. Oh, wow. So how long uh, have you uh, been a franchisee owner? I franchised in October of 2019. So it's just about two and a half years. About two and a half years. And, and you're already growing three stores in, in those two and a half years. That Congratulations. That's pretty good. 
Um, so let me ask you, are, are your parents a little more satisfied with your career choice now? Um, they are. Yeah, they're, they're at peace with it. But <laughs> really, that moment didn't come. Um, so I was uh, managing our slowest store in 2011. And then 2012 through 2014, I was managing our busiest store. And I won um, National Manager of the Year for the 2012 year, but received the award in 2013. And so it really wasn't until that that they said, okay, like maybe maybe Domino's is a good career for somebody because that that opened up their eyes to to rally, to really how big the brand is and what we're all about. And it's not just um, you know, standing on a make line making pizzas or standing at the end of the oven cutting pizzas. They really understood from uh, getting it to attend that how big of a deal it can be that it's, I mean, Domino's is essentially a competitive team sport that you're paid for. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it really yeah. is. I've never heard it described like that. And honestly, that's, that's like a perfect way to, to describe it is, I mean, we, we rely so much on each other and, and we rely on us, you know, knowing how to do our job, but being efficient at it and, and, also wanting to continue to grow in in our specific position, but you know in our in our career. And one thing that I've always loved about Domino's, because just like you, I started in two thousand and five. That was my first year I started with Domino's. And when I when I started, it was it was just kind of that fun job. Um, and I really didn't have any goals of what I wanted to do in the future. I I knew I didn't I didn't like college. And, and I couldn't sit in a classroom longer than 10 minutes. And it was just, it was a, a place where I made money and, and I had fun. And honestly, like when I made my, my career choice was uh, in, in 2016 when I went to the rally. And, and that's what changed my opinion of what Domino's really was. It's not just a, a pizza company, but in reality, like it, we deal with people and like, what I saw out of the rally, the successful people, the people that left college to, you know, make it a permanent choice of, to be in Domino's, I knew I wasn't the only one that thought thought that, and it was okay to think that. Um, so I, I thought that was kind of funny. We kind of have a similar uh, a story when it comes to that. And I, honestly, I think with the rally, which we just had not too long ago. I think a lot of people get that that effect when they go to the rally. All those stereotypes that you hear from your friends and your family and like it's just that, you know, greasy job making pizzas. Like when you go to the rally, all of that goes away cuz you just you you feel the energy, but you also get to hear from the horse's mouth, you know, how to be successful. And and I think a lot of people just want that path. And it was, was it kind of the same for you? Like you, you quit college to do dominoes full time, which obviously your parents weren't, weren't happy about. When was that moment where you knew or you felt that you had made like the right decision and that this was going to be your career? Was it at the rally or was it when you won the, the GM of the year award or? No, you don't. I don't ever have a, a single like defining moment where where that toggle, so to speak, switched from like no maybe to yes. Um, and, and I think that really a lot of that comes with a little bit with self awareness. And I think that that's how something that makes my company special and something that 
we do very differently is for years, we would not bring people into management. Uh, no external candidates. You had to drive or work inside for a certain amount of time before we bring into management. We've loosened that a little bit, but it's easy to get in a hole and then bring people in for the wrong reasons. Um, whether that's money um, or desperation, people that are motivated motivated exclusively by money, um, people that are motivated exclusively by the prestige of a position like GM or franchisee. Um, eventually they all fizzle out because, mm-hmm. because this job doesn't feed their personality. And yep. that's something that rather than telling somebody you should, you should quit school. Like here's what Domino's can do for you. Like, this is my path. These are other people that I know. Here's the possibilities. I'll tell them all those things, but I will never advise somebody to quit school or change their mind about, um, what they're really driven by. What, rather than that, I'll tell them, Hey, look, the most important thing for you is you need to learn what feeds your personality. And then if this job is a match for it, then you should do it. A hundred percent, you should do it. And if not, then you shouldn't because you're going to be able to stick it out for a year, five years or 10 years, but then you're going to be left with emptiness and not knowing what you should do or why you're doing what you are doing. And ultimately, I think that's kind of how I got to where I am. Unknowingly, it was unintentional. I wasn't aware of all those things when I was making the decisions, but I love the competitiveness of it. Um, I love the variety. Some people think, oh, well, you're just making pizzas all day, but no two rushes are the same. It's a different collection mm-hmm. of deliveries, a different right. collection of pizzas, different set of people that call in. Like all the challenges are different every day. So I love the variety, even though it's at its core the same thing. You're coming in, you're making pizzas, you're finding out how to get them to customers fast. And um, I like being on my feet, like I can't and and stare at a computer like that's the hardest thing for me as a franchisee there's a lot more office time yeah and it's just not what fuels me and i think you find those things that are they're important to you and your personality and things that drive you you find a job that's a match for it and as leaders in dominoes i mean our goal shouldn't be to adjust our stores to what fits the individual because we're going to be in a constant state of flux. We should go find the individuals that are a match to what we do every single day anyways. Right. Right. Well, and, and, you know, the individuals that kind of have some goals, you know, set in, you know, in line with, with what they want to accomplish. You know, one thing that I, I learned as, as a shift leader in, in Domino's is, you know, Without goals, you're going to be stuck in in the same spot. You're going to be a level one, you know, unless you want to become a level two, that opportunity is not going to come your way. And so what goals did you have? Like when, when you took over that busy store and, you know, you went to your franchisee and said, Hey, I want to do this. Obviously you were, you were reaching out to try to accomplish one of your goals. When you became a GM, like what, what guided you to, I mean, be, I mean, that takes some courage, right? To say, Hey, franchisee, look what I'm doing here. Give me another opportunity in a busier store and let me show you what I can do. Like, would you agree that that that's kind of a courageous action? It is a little bit, but I don't know if at the time it was, uh, driven by courage. I think it was probably just more like, uh, I, I wanted more. I thought I, I could, um, could achieve more. And I thought I could challenge myself more. And that's 
going back to the competitive part, I think, you know, I was really against cutting edge at first. I like it now. Um, yeah. It, get, get, if snake loading's done right, I like it. If it's not, it's a, it's a, it's nice a disaster. Place, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and I, I think it's still kind of new ish. I don't have all my stores converted, um, but we will very shortly. I, I think what I like about it most is it makes the job hard again. You, you reach a level as a, a GM where really like if you're in, a store for a certain amount of time, it's going to become easy. It might have a lot of challenges when you take over a new store, like the staff doesn't mesh with you. They haven't been held accountable. They don't know what their expectations are. But over time, you're going to mold that into what's going to eventually allow you to just be on autopilot every day. And cutting edge makes a part of the job that at one point in time, I was really good at of intending really, really hard for me. And I love that because it feels new again. It feels hard again. And it feels like I'm having to push myself to get better at something. And, and you eventually get to where you, you know, your limitations and that's the excitement there is kind of gone. You know, you're, you know, Hey, I can, I can handle a 200 power myself. And you know, when you get to a, a 220 or 250 that you're toast on cutting edge, I don't know that number. And so it's like, it's exciting again for me to find out right. what that is. You're, you're being challenged all the time and, and you're having to problem solve like new like riddles and, and and equations and and honestly like I think any good GM out there you know they they always get to that point where you know they're they're almost bored like they're going through the motions but they want to be they want to be challenged and and let let's talk about good GMs like didn't didn't you just have one of your GMs get a pretty nice award here at the rally so uh Mr. Eric Lira of he he won it for Store nine three three one, but after um, twenty twenty one ended, he was transferred to nine two set store nine two seven seven, and didn't know he won until he was manager of the new store. But okay, uh, yeah, so he he won manager of the year for twenty twenty one national, and that one in particular was really special to me because he was a CSR that I hired in two thousand twelve, the year mm-hmm. that. I won manager of the year. And had the proud, he's been with proud Papa tear coming down a little bit when he was up there. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's awesome. And and obviously, I mean, with you winning it and, and him winning it, there's gotta be something with your guys' culture that's breeding this mentality. And and one thing I, I remember about the video that they played that I just thought was truly amazing of you as, as an owner was, I mean, you made it special and you had that big old billboard thing drive up and you had him outside holding the wobble board and he was just taken back. And like, I know, cause I could see how much he appreciated like just the recognition and, and honestly, like having that kind of culture of making somebody feel that special where you have a billboard driving up and like notifying the whole community that this guy is awesome. What, what other things like do you instill in the culture to, to breed these GMs of the year and and these, these great people? Well, I, I think it's, it's really important to distinguish that the, the goal isn't to win GM of the year. It's just, an added bonus um, for doing things the way that we would do anyways. Um, like two of our like core compass um, our, our core factors and where compass points and how we make decisions is um, are we doing what's best for customers 
And are we doing what's best for employees? At times, those are in conflict. Uh, to just the simplest example is um, if there's a remake, say we forgot a dipping cup, it's not best for the next driver to have to run out a marinara that somebody else forgot. But we can do our part as a company to make that right. Um, and it's best for the customer to get there as fast as possible. Because if we wait for that first driver to get back and say, you forgot a marinara, like, you got to take it back out. It's going to be 30 minutes. If you make the mistake of giving them a delivery to take with that, they're probably going to make the delivery first because they're incentivized by tips and they've already received the tip from the one where they forgot the marinara. So that first customer who had a missing item is not going to get it for right. 30 plus minutes, most likely. Um, so it's it's really just the core of how we make all our decisions is um, doing what's right for the customer and for our employees to the best we can. There, there's times that it's really, really hard to check all of the boxes, you know, do those two things and make more money this year than we did the previous year. And, um, you know, with, with Eric and with anybody that works for us, but his winning manager of the year is a really, it's kind of like the, uh, the exclamation point on this um, component of our culture. We can give people more money. We can give them more time off. There's a lot of things we can do to make the, the job of general manager, assistant manager, more attractive to them. But what so many companies struggle with, even even Domino's and not just other brands. I mean, there's franchises and me included, we struggle with at times. If we give people good memories and good experiences that they associate with Domino's. So like Eric, this truck, he's going to remember that for the rest of his life. That's going to be something that makes it so much harder. If he's ever thinking, man, I might quit. And I don't know if this is still for me. He's going to remember that. And one of probably the happiest moments and most exciting moments in his life is tied. It's handcuffed to Domino's. It's going to make it a lot harder to make that decision. And the more we do little things, that was because that was a big one. We don't do things like that every every day. That is really, really, really special. Um, the more we do things like that, people are going to associate their good memories to Domino's and to their franchisee um, or the, the company they work for. And they're going to have a, a, a lot more loyalty to us and be willing to stick through us when time or stick with us when times get tough. And, and Domino's it, definitely has had some tough times in the past, right? <laughs> yeah. And now, I mean, I think now sales may not show it, but arguably now is one of, if not the toughest times at least since I've been around, um, to be a manager because complexity uh, is at an all-time high. And I think as a as a culture, not Domino's, just, just restaurant industry in general, it's become more and more acceptable to be mean to the people that are serving you. I mean, you see that on the internet every single day. And so it's really, really hard right now to be a manager, the hardest it's ever been. And we have to keep finding things that we can give back to make it better to offset any of the things that have become worse about the job. Yeah. Especially like with, with Corona. I mean, that was, that was a whole new adventure for, for all of us. I, I mean, I don't think any of us have been through a pandemic before and, and let alone, you know, have to shut down an entire, you know, country for two weeks where we're so reliant upon during that time. I mean, I just remember, the stress levels, because I was a GM at the time when Corona first hit, and I, it was a unique experience for me because I, I I was in charge of a 
a uh, university store. Uh, it was a campus store. And so we were always super busy during school season, but come summertime, it would die. All the students would leave. And th- that's kind of what happened to us. It was like summer, all, like all year, you know? And, and it was just the one thing I, I, I personally battled with was, you know, the amount of tender careness for my employees during that time, because there were some that were just really scared to even come to work. And then there were some that were, you know, needing to make more money and couldn't get the hours. And it was just, it was a weird dynamic. And I know a lot of GMs mentally were getting beaten every day, whether it was, you know, worried about their employees or, you know, customer complaints because, you know, we, we couldn't handle the amount of business we were getting because of the influx of business. Um, but one thing that I noticed when I was talking to a lot of franchisee owners and supervisors um, at the rally was like we we started to change our mindsets a little bit. We, we, we kind of shifted more towards let's take care of our employees right now. And and they'll take care of our customers. And in the past, it was always customers. We got to take care of the customers. We got to take care of the customers. And one thing at the rally that they did that I thought was just really really cool gesture to all of our GMs going through the coronavirus was they they put them on the the wall of fame. And you know there there is literally a spot for any GM that had gone through those stresses that year and and you could really tell at this rally and and I hope it you know kind of s- sticks with us is like we're starting to look at our employees and giving them recognition that you know they deserve for you know not just the past 2 years but like GMs have by far the hardest job in the entire company I mean they they deal with so many different stresses they are our problem solvers you know and one thing I've realized since I've become a supervisor is that being a GM was was a lot harder. And and it's because they are kind of on that weird island. So many people look up to them to solve problems. So many people like look to them to, you know, get answers and there's just a lot of pressure and you know, the only way out of GM was you either go find another job or, or you move up to supervisor and and, and on up. Um, and one thing that I loved about the rally and about where I think things may be going is we're going to start giving the GMs a little more attention that they probably deserve. And I'm assuming, um, you know, breeding, you know, so a GM of the year and and being a GM of the year yourself that you guys have kind of a culture that supports the GM in in a real special way for them to have those special memories you were talking about. Yeah, and we do I think that ultimately the uh it's not really about where our culture is today because a year from now, we're not going to care where it is today. And two years ago, before COVID, like we probably thought we were in a, a great place and that managers were happy. And um, ultimately, like what matters is our trajectory. Are we putting the things in place today so that tomorrow is better? And 
it's really, really rare that you can make a decision that is impactful in a meaningful way to GMs today, and, and it'll impact them tomorrow. But we need to be thinking a year out, two years out, and starting to set ourselves up and tweak the things that we can or think about tweaking the things that we can um, to make managers' lives better. And that's tough. I mean, we, we used to have a rule for years. I mean, this is going back to like 2011 when I was a manager. When I became a manager, it was just one of the rules. Um, you stay till if you opened, you stay till 8 p.m. And it was to prevent yep. people from missing rush, leaving before it was busy. And really, the manager needs to be there um, in charge of the ship at the busiest time. And we walked that back a little bit. I'm trying to get my managers to a, um, a four and a half day work week. Probably half of them are there. Half of them need to work on staffing. And um, there's just a lot of little things that we can continuously do and tweak to make it more attractive and and better, not just for GMs, but also for all levels of management and all levels of of our employees. I mean, for drivers, for insiders, there's a ton of things we can do. And the equation can't just be pay. If you look at your your per hour rate, which is something that I do probably once a quarter. Um, it's usually occasion specific where I'm like I'm trying to advertise a now hiring post and I want to know exactly how much drivers are actually averaging at the store that I'm advertising for. Mm-hmm. I mean, man, they're making generally my top paid driver to store is going to be $23 to $25 an hour. Keep in mind, Texas is a, a 725 minimum wage state um, okay. without mileage. That's not including mileage. So I don't include, even though it's part of their compensation package, it's not a wage. And right. my store averages generally are between 18 and 21. Um, so clearly money, I mean, it's definitely an important factor. Nobody's going to come work here for, for charity. Mm. They're working here because they need to pay their bills. And one of the things that we miss out on the most, I hear it time and time again. Well, think about the opportunity. People don't pay rent with opportunity. You don't go buy groceries with opportunity. They need to make money today. When people are applying for a job, they're applying because they want money tomorrow. They need to pay next month's rent. They're not waiting two weeks for a call. So half of our, our, our staffing problem is just setting our own expectations for ourselves where it should be. We need to be calling apps day one. We need to be contacting them three times by phone, once by text, once by email. If you have privacy laws that don't allow it, don't do that. I don't need a California guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, we've got to do a better job of not just checking the box and wiping our hands of the situation saying, ah, you know what? I called them. I did my part. Um, cause the, the end game is not to check the box. The, the ultimate goal is not to check a box of saying, I called that guy, did my part. It's to not work 50 hours a week. And if yep. you're understaffed, it's to not work yep. 60 or 70. And yep. really that's like, as as supervisors and franchisees, really the tone we have to set is the expectation exists for you to have a better quality of life. Like, yeah, you might have more work to do because you're calling somebody three times instead of once, but you're doing that during your working hours. You're doing it when there's downtime at the store. So you're going to be here anyways. Let's just limit when you're going to be here to your known working hours because you're being as proactive as possible and having really, really strong follow-up rather than you're here forever and getting nothing done. You're just here to check. You're just here because you have to be, because somebody didn't show up or you don't have a guy on the schedule for that. 
It's, it's so funny. My, my guys are going to think uh, you're doing a cover song of mine because you're repeating the same message I give them all the time. I always tell them, hire, 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 train, train, train. You should never be done hiring. When you get an application, you need to be calling them when it comes in and get them hired because once once they work for us, one, they're going to stop their search. They're, they're not going to look for other jobs. They got, they got the job. They, they have a source of income. Now the hard part is making sure that they enjoy the job, they they like the job. But I mean, that's pretty easy with Domino's. We're we're kind of a fun place to work for compared to like the nine to five cubicle job or waste management or you know even plumbing. I know those guys get pretty dirty. Like we actually have some fun. Like we're able to you know converse socially while we're working. Uh, some of us listen to music, like. It's it's one of those unique jobs where like once they're in the door, it's very easy for them to to want to stay with us as long as you know they appreciate you know what we offer them. Um, but my guys are definitely going to laugh because almost word for word, I, I've told them the same thing over and over. And it, it's it's weird because you know we could tell somebody till till we're blue in the face but i think like the ultimate lesson for them is is when they are working 60 hours and and they're just they are tired of it and it's like well you know i told you to call jimmy jimmy bob and and you you sat on it for 2 days and then he started working for pizza hut now that that gm's getting that day off or whatever um so i i'm glad you said that because sometimes you know just like parents will tell their kids over and over again but when they hear it from somebody else it, it has a little bit more of an impact. Um, so let me ask you about this. And, and you kind of talked about, you know, the future of, you know, the changes we need to make for the future and thinking about a year down the road, two years, maybe even 10 years down the road and and the changes we, we need to do. So I, this is a two-part question. So one, there's been a lot of changes in the last two years, especially during during COVID, there were a lot of changes. But I'm talking more of the operational changes like cutting edge, like the GPS. Um, I just I wanted to get one, your opinions on those. And then two, if you had a decision on a change you would like to make in Domino's Pizza, what what would you like changed um, here in the next year or two? Okay. Um, what, what's my limitation on like, if I'm King for a day, uh, is every, everything it's, it's open for, for anything. It's open I for can anything. Make any, any change. Okay. Yep. Um, yep. This is, it's not Domino's pizza. It's Corey pizza now. So the, the first part of that, my thoughts on the changes, um, one, you have to embrace technology. If you're not somebody else's and, Hopefully that's not the Pizza Hut or Papa John's down the street. Domino's is a very, very big brand. The first time I saw GPS was at the 2014 rally, and they told us we'd have it by the end of the year. So somebody out there, whether it's Pizza Hut, Papa John's, a regional guy, a local guy, the aggregators, somebody is working their ass off to be better than you. And we're to a degree at the mercy of how fast Domino's can change things. And because they're so big, that's slow. I mean, we're not a speedboat, we're a cruise ship. Yeah. So if you don't have those things, I think it's a standard now. Those should be day one when something that has obvious utility gets in your stores. 
Uh, I'm going to give you guys an example of that. The cut table tech that's coming out hopefully this year in the fall is phenomenal. We have it in test at two stores. It's essentially um, like the make line screen, except its intended use is for the person running the cut table. So it replaces having to hang receipts. There's a bump bar. You just clear it off. It prints right there on demand when you clear it. So it's awesome. It's so much better than dealing with receipts. When that comes out, if you don't bug your franchisee or supervisor about getting it day one, you're making a mistake. Um, there, there's some other changes where, uh, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lump cutting edge, load and go, all of that into one broad statement. Um, cutting edge, great when it's loaded right. Um, and I think it provided a lot of structure to stores that, that may not have had it at some point in time. And when you're short-staffed, you promote a manager who's not quite ready. Somebody's all, somebody's been there. I mean, somebody listening to this is going to be thinking like, that was me. Or they're going to think, ooh, I did that to somebody else. That cycle almost never ends because you have now somebody ill-equipped that is running a store. You can't ever get that tribal knowledge back that you lost from losing a very veteran manager without that person who took over and has very little experience being there and just gaining the knowledge. So it takes a really, really long time. And some of those things may be lost forever. And that is part one of the interview with Corey McKenna. I hope you guys enjoyed part one. Part two will be out next week. Uh, In part two, we're going to talk a little bit more about the new technology coming out, how to kind of embrace it, and how to utilize it to benefit your stores. Um, So please come back next week for part two with Corey McKenna. Get a GM of the Year Award. All right, this is the 40 Pep Podcast. I'm your host, Nolan Beck. Please send me some emails on what you thought of this episode, what you thought of some previous episodes, and maybe what you'd like to hear in the future. Um, Send me your stories. Maybe I can get you out on the podcast. I want to hear from all of you. So please, please send me some emails. But until next week, guys, be great out there.